0: This episode of Revision Path is brought to you by Facebook Design. Facebook Design invests in building and teaching designers using the best tools for the job. I asked product designer Will Harding what he's learned about design since working at Facebook. I think the most important thing that I've learned here is a little bit more like high level and that's really just that... How much is it possible when a company is super invested in you as a designer? Facebook goes through a tremendous amount of effort to invest in the design principles. And I think like that, that level of investment, the, the confidence that comes with that, it's, for me, it's pretty unbelievable what that gives for other designers and helping them succeed. Learn more at Facebook.com forward slash design. Are you looking for a job? Do you know someone who's looking for a job? Then check out our job board over at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs. Whether you want a full-time job or you're looking for something temporary or freelance, we've got you covered. This week, Mapbox is looking for a map designer in San Francisco. We also have job listings from indeed.com, so head to the Revision Path job board at revisionpath.com forward slash jobs to apply and to search for any other listings. Don't forget to sign up for weekly job alerts. When there are new positions added to the job board, you'll get an email so you can be the first to apply. And if you're looking for more jobs, then become a member of our Slack community and join the jobs channel. See you there. You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry, and before we get into this week's interview, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp and Hover. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. No email service provider is better when it comes to functionality and customer service. Sign up for a free account today at MailChimp.com. When you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, and that's where Hover comes in. Hover makes it easy for you to find that domain name and get it up and running with no hassle and no heavy-handed upselling. So go ahead and grab yourself a domain today and use our promo code RevisionPath and save 10% off your purchase. Now, several of you have emailed the show asking when we're going to have some Revision Path merch. Now, I announced this a few weeks back, but we have a merch store now, y'all. Just go to revisionpath.com forward slash store for Revision Path t-shirts, mugs, and buttons. Uh, Right now, we're running a special sale. Uh, There's 15% off t-shirts until August 30th. So use the promo code supershirt at checkout to make sure you take advantage of that. I'll also put a link for it down in the show notes. Don't worry if you miss out on it now, because we'll definitely have another sale in September when we add some new merchandise for the fall. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update, so we're still holding steady at 39 patrons for a new total of $258 per month. Again, thank you to everyone that has pledged your support and your appreciation for the show, and if you enjoy what we're doing here at Provision Path, if you enjoy the guests that we have on the show, or if you've gotten any value from listening, please consider becoming a patron. You'll get some great perks like early access to future episodes and free Revision Path goodies. Just head on over to patreon.com forward slash Revision Path and make that happen. Pledge level started just $1 per month, and it's a great and affordable way to support the show on a regular basis. And we also have a new iTunes review. Uh, this one is titled Telling Our Stories, and the review says it's great to find a space where untold stories happen. Love it this comes from F Mitchell 1. Um I think this is from Frederick Mitchell who was uh last week's guest and of course has been a huge supporter of Revision Path from the beginning so Frederick thank you so much for that. All right, let's get on to this week's interview. So we're ending out the month with a conversation with Detroit Art Director Andrea Williams. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do.
1: I am Andrea Williams. I live in Detroit. I am an art director at a major agency in the city, and we also have offices across the country. I'm also a budding calligrapher and hand letterer, so that's something that is a recent thing that I've been doing, and yeah, I think that's
0: that about sums me up. Okay. I definitely want to talk about the, the lettering and hand calligraphy. <clears throat> Are you at liberty to mention the agency that you work for? I probably could, but I would rather not. Okay, no problem. No problem with that. Well, I just, I kind of just want to ask some general questions and if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. About what you do. What's kind of a typical day like for you at work then?
1: So I work for a client where we are responsible for their subscriber communications. So a lot of the work that I do is basically like emails and direct mail letters that go out to our subscribers and and all that. And it's really kind of production kind of work. That's like my typical job. And I also work on some of the site assets and stuff for that particular client. But the great thing about being in an agency our size is that we also get a lot of cool projects that come in from our Chicago office, from our Boston office. So I've been able to work on stuff like branding for Shangri-La and Vespa and some other cool clients that, I just wouldn't ever have access to, you know, had I been at another agency. So while my typical nine to five job is really just kind of production based and trying to kind of interject some new creativity, some new treatments, some new typography, some something new to kind of freshen up the cadence of the emails that go out, you know, seemingly every day. I also get to do really cool stuff and, and fun stuff with clients that are a little outside of the box.
0: So you kind of, I know you've, you've worked your way up kind of from being a, a graphic designer to being an art director where you're at now. What do designers, like we have a, a lot of designers, of course, I listen to the show. What do they need to know when it comes to working for a big agency? Like what's the the mindset that they need to have?
1: I would say if you're starting out or even if you're not starting out, being mindful of time management, being mindful of how even though you can't really control this, but being mindful of how you are perceived in the office and being well-prepared. You may not have all the answers. You may not know exactly how you're going to solve for this problem creatively, but do your research, take the time out to find out about the clients and learn as much as you can from briefs and your own research and come prepared, ready to ask questions. Because that, in the long run, will just make your process a lot faster and a lot easier and it'll get people to trust you it'll get people to want to work with you which will ultimately just propel your career even more.
0: Now when you started off as a graphic designer was becoming an art director was that kind of the path that you wanted to take initially?
1: Not at all. I didn't even really know what an art director was really and I've been the agencies that I've worked at have not been traditional agencies where there's an art director and then there's somebody that actually does the work. So I've kind of always been this like hybrid of a designer and art director. And in general, I'm not even a person that is really concerned with titles anyway. So I just want to do good work and I like to work hard and I just want to put out the best possible product. I could be a regular designer. I could be an art director. I could be an associate creative director, however it happens. But at the end of the day, I really just want to do good work. Titles don't really matter to me.
0: But now at, at agencies though, I mean there is I mean, there is kind of a difference and a hierarchy that comes with those those sorts of titles, right? Definitely. Definitely.
1: And I mean, that's something that I struggle with because at a certain point you need to be promoted just because you've been there long enough and you've worked hard and you've pulled all nighters and own projects and all that kind of stuff. But my internal struggle is once you start to get promoted and move up the ladder, you start to do more managing and less working. And that's not really what I want to do. Like I really, really just want to do the work. But at this point, I'm just enjoying being the person that gets the work done. So we'll see how that goes.
0: How do you approach a new project that you have to work on? Like what's your process?
1: Every day I go through my RSS feeds and I might be the only person that still reads RSS feeds, but.
0: You're, you're not, okay. I read Okay, good.
1: <laughs> I probably subscribe to maybe 75 to 100 blogs or feeds for design and all, all kinds of design. So interior design, product design, industrial design, all of that. And obviously web and print design too. That's how I start my day. So it's kind of a way for me to always get inspired and stay inspired. When it comes time to have a project, I'm already ready for whatever comes because I might have seen something like it or seen something that reminds me of what I think this new project should look like. So I'm kind of already ready. I do a little research on the client and then I start sketching. I'm definitely a pencil first kind of person. And then once I get a couple sketches, then I just go right to the computer and, and get started.
0: Yeah, re- you really can't underestimate the research part when it comes to design. I know a lot of people really want to just sort of jump right in and start, you know, making something. But that research can really help inform where you go with your, with your design decisions. It helps you make smarter design decisions. So the research part, I think, is that's definitely a really good idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and it's also helpful just to even know what your clients' competitors are doing, you can almost kind of see like, okay, well, this isn't working for them. Why isn't it working for them? Mm-hmm. They're trying to reach this market. And that's why their communications are off because they're trying to reach this market and they're not because it's not, you know, it's, it's not speaking to them. So then like all of that informs, like you said, what you do and, and how you do it. So yeah, research is, is paramount.
0: Now you live in Detroit, you're Detroit born and raised. Mm-hmm. And Detroit, you know, has I'd say within the past, I don't know, what 10 or 12 years maybe, has sort of, you know, garnered a specific reputation as it relates to design and urbanism and and things like that. As a native, tell me what Detroit is like for you. How do you see the city from your eyes, from your viewpoint?
1: When, pe- when I say that I'm, that I'm from here, a lot of people are almost instantly afraid. I understand why, but I think it's really important, and I hope that your listeners get this point, is that there are definitely issues that we have with crime and our education system and gentrification and all of this kind of stuff that's happening w- within the last five or six years, but people still live here and people are thriving here. And it is definitely a place where you can get your feet wet and you can really do whatever you want to do. What we do have are very small studios, not well, not very small, but we have smaller studios that produce great work. We have small agencies that produce great work. We have fashion designers. We have industrial designers. We have the College for Creative Studies, which is churning out budding new talent. So like this is a place that you can really hanker down and learn the ropes and take your career much, much further. Now, full disclosure, I have wanted to move for a very long time just because I was born here and I just kind of want to see something else and live somewhere else. But Mm -hmm. as I'm coming into my own and further along in my career than I was five or 10 years ago, I'm starting to appreciate just how much this city really does offer me. And lucky enough to have a circle of friends and an extended circle of friends that are really movers and shakers
0: in this city. And that also helped. Why do you think the the positive things that are coming out of Detroit don't get showcased? I think it's easier to sell the um,
1: big three bankruptcy story. I think it's easy to sell the Flint water crisis. Those are things that are terribly tragic and sad. And people like to read that kind of stuff and I do too. I mean, I like to know exactly what's going on, but I think that the positive stuff doesn't come through as easily because the larger issues that are terrible are just so, so much bigger than the million of smaller great things that are happening here. So it kind of just overshadows it. There's a lot of good stuff happening here.
0: Yeah. You mentioned, you know, some small studios and things like that can you name some of them, just so we can kind of know what to be on the lookout for oh
1: yeah so there's minefield is doing some great work pluto does some great work there's a retail shop that just popped up called detroit is the new black they're doing some great stuff it's a fashion retail shop i have a friend that owns a sneaker store in midtown he's been there i think 14 years not only is it a sneaker store, but it's also like a hub for young artists coming up, hip-hop artists, R&B, painters, graffiti artists. It's almost like a cultural center almost. The name of that place is Bob's Classic Kicks.
0: So you said that you were thinking about moving, you know, kind of earlier on. Where did you want to move to?
1: Oh, like everybody, I wanted to move to New York. But then when I went there for the first time, and definitely no disrespect to anybody that lives in New York or is from New York, but it was just so much. It was so overwhelming. And like the subways and the smells and the everything, I was just like, ah, maybe not. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I won't. Great place to visit. Great place to get inspired. But I couldn't live there. And Detroit is much cheaper, too. So that helps.
0: Oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so when we talked before back in September 2013, and this kind of is related to what you were saying before, you know, I asked you, what's the design community like in Detroit? And you said that it was it was up and coming. Three years later, do you still kind of feel that way? I know you said that, you know, some people that are kind of movers and shakers in the industry now in Detroit. Do you feel like you're a deeper part of this community now?
1: A little bit, yeah. I mean, I think it's still very much up and coming. But I think that people are starting to look at Detroit as a place for makers. And I think that that idea has always been here, really. I mean, we've always been the kind of town that, you know, if we saw something that we wanted to exist, we just made it. I think that we're getting back to the root of that this is where things happen. People start to see that people are actually taking things into their own hands and being the change that they want to see in the world, as cliche as that sounds.
0: So with the work that you're doing now at the agency, are you also kind of doing freelance work as well? I know when we spoke before, you mentioned that you were kind of doing both.
1: So I do freelance every once in a while. Quite honestly, my nine to five job keeps me pretty busy. And then with the calligraphy and hand lettering stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute that also keeps me pretty busy so I don't do any like design freelance that much anymore any freelance that I do is really the calligraphy and hand lettering stuff so
0: well yeah let's go ahead and talk about that because I'm really really interested in I, I'm just so interested in typography in general more so interested when I see that black folks are doing mm-hmm. it. So how did you how did you first get involved with that? Why did you want to get started? So I took
1: calligraphy in like middle school and, and high school and it was really like the gothic black letter style of calligraphy nothing like what we see today. And I actually didn't even know that the kind of modern calligraphy, excuse me, even existed. I mean, I kind of figured it did, but never really like looked into it to kind of understand it. Mm-hmm. So, also a part of my process and a part of my day and my desk at work is that I keep 11 by 17 paper a stack of it under my laptop. I do that so that I can like write down notes, my things to do if I'm listening to a song and it's a lyric that I like. Like I usually write that out just to kind of like pass the time. One day something was on my mind and like I, I had a conversation with, with a friend of mine and she kind of gave me this new opportunity. And I wrote something like I need to do more to help my community or something like that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just in my regular handwriting, this is what I wrote. And to be fair, I, I do have really nice handwriting. So I wrote this in my, in my normal handwriting and I posted it on, on Instagram. And shared it to Facebook and everybody, all my friends was like, oh my gosh, is this a font? This looks so good. You should do calligraphy. You should do this, blah, 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 blah. And I said, huh? I said, well, I never really, I hadn't thought about calligraphy since high school. So like it, I knew about it, but didn't think that it was anything that people were checking for, to be perfectly honest. So from that, a friend of mine that I went to high school with asked me to do some signs for her her school's eighth grade prom. And I said, oh, well, this will be a great way to kind of get into this. So I went and bought a little startup calligraphy set and some ink and fell in love with it again. And it was so refreshing to be able to do something with my hands again. Like, so used to like, pushing pixels on a computer screen and thinking about, you know, CSS and HTML and responsive design and blah, 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 blah. But all of this, like, just didn't mean anything when I was doing something with my hands and like actual ink and paper and pens and pen nibs. I started making cards, I started making little signs and all of this. And so started posting it to Instagram and people started wanting them and buying them. And so that, that's kind of how that all got started. I absolutely love doing it.
0: And how long now have you been doing it?
1: (laughs) Probably not even six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's new. It's very, very new.
0: What's the kind of the style that you're going for when you're doing this? Is it more, I mean, it's all handwritten, but you know, some are more precise, some are more loose.
1: Yes. So I definitely subscribe to the modern calligraphy, which doesn't have as strict a rules as like a copper plate calligraphy, which, you know, looks like, like legit looks like a font. That's kind of the style that I go to. But I am actively seeking classes on how to do the copper plate calligraphy. So it's something that I want in, in my wheelhouse for sure.
0: Now, one thing that I thought was interesting, I was looking, you know, at your your Twitter profile, LinkedIn, et cetera. On your Twitter profile, you say that you're a good designer, aspiring to be a great designer. Mm -hmm. To you, what does it mean to be a great designer?
1: A great designer is a person who is relentless when it comes to questioning why things are done a certain way or why things look a certain way or why just all the whys. And I think for me... Because I'm, um, I'm used to deadlines, I'm used to brand guidelines and restrictions and all, all that kind of stuff. I always stop short of an additional why. So I might ask the first why or why does this look like this or why are we doing it this way? Once I get past that, like I kind of just go for it and I I just do what I think is the best solution. And sometimes, most of the time, you can get to an even better solution if you keep asking why. It's something that I work on a lot. So like I'm trying to be as relentless when it comes to questioning why something is the way that it is. Also, a great designer is someone who treats the smallest project like the biggest project. There's one particular example. I was working on some social media posts for a client at my job and my boss at the time, he was like pushing me to do even more than just take this photo, slap the logo on it and call it a day. And he kept pushing me to do it. And I and I couldn't figure out. I was like, well, why is he so adamant about this photo being this design exercise? Like, why? Like, it's just like, it's literally going to be up for 24 hours and that's it. And he pushed me and he kept pushing me and he kept pushing me. And every time that I showed him something, he was like, well, why don't you try this? Or think about this this way. And he kept mm-hmm. pushing me. And so... What it made me realize is that you can make something very small, something very great. And you should never approach a project the way that I was approaching it at, at the time. Oh, it's just a blank. No, it's not just a blank. It is always an opportunity to show what you got. And you should just never treat any project like less than that.
0: So how do you think we can help get that next generation excited about design again?
1: I don't think we have to do very much. I think that representation is necessary. So seeing black people, women being designers will go very far in getting young people excited about this career field. We're starting to see that design is all around. You know, people, even our clients are reacting differently to designs. They're noticing the nuances of typefaces and white space and color choices. Design is becoming something that people are reacting to, and they may not know how to articulate it as well as we do, but it's stuff that they notice. I think that as long as we keep showing young people that you actually can make a career out of this, you can be successful Design can influence social change. It can influence politics. It can influence a number of things. So as long as we keep pushing that and having women and people of color push those ideas, we'll be fine.
0: Now, you went to Wayne State University for undergrad. Mm -hmm. You uh, graduated there with a degree in graphic design. Is that right? Yep. Tell me what your time was like there. Do you feel like it prepared you once you got out into the working world?
1: Absolutely not. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Wayne State is a great school for a lot of things. And it was good to me while I was there. But I feel like there definitely could have been a lot of improvements with with the program. So to give you and the listeners a little geography of the city. So Wayne State is in the heart of Midtown. College for Creative Studies is almost literally across the street. When I went there, it it was probably collectively for four years, 15 grand, maybe. CCS is, I think, 15 grand a semester. So we're talking about a very big difference. Despite that, though, the Wayne State program for design, even though we're smaller, probably don't have the resources and all of that and don't have like the brand name, you know, as far as design goes. We certainly could have done a better job at getting people ready for the world. So main thing is projects that take two weeks. That never happens. Never happens. Not solely like I'm just going to work on this one project for two weeks. That very rarely happens. So getting college students to understand time management, being able to coordinate your time. Big part of an advertising agency. Wayne State was right down the street from a firm that did a lot of work for the Super Bowl, literally right down the street. There was no kind of coordination between that agency and our program. It would have been nice to have like a studio walkthrough or to have them come and kind of talk to us about their day and and the projects that they work on and the clients that they have. Our senior seminar class, which is basically just a class so that they can prove that we know how to write a term paper, instead of just researching a historical designer, it might have been nice to get together in a group and rebrand a a, a nonprofit that that needs branding help or marketing help. That way, we could have worked with clients and dealt with all of the things that come along with that. We all could have worked on logos, which is something that, you know, I personally love to do and and a lot of people in my class at at the time did too. We could have learned presentation skills if if we had to present to the client. We could have learned about budgets and about estimates and invoices and all of these things that kind of help you even when you're in an agency and and when you freelance. Little things like that probably could have helped me learn a little better or learn about what was expected of me when I got out of college and and worked my first job and when I started my own freelance business. And I think that that really would have helped a lot of people. I graduated with a girl who had never had an internship, never had stepped foot into any kind of studio. And it's like, how are we expecting these people, these kids to graduate and not have that experience? So I think there's little stuff like that that they could have done to kind of make that transition easier.
0: I want to go back again. Let's talk about the, the hand a little bit, because I wanted to always have, you know, like a black typographer or a black letterist or something on the show, really, just to talk about why they kind of do what they do. Starting off now, as you've kind of been doing it now, I think you said you've just really got started with it. What are your kind of future plans? What do you want to do with it? You want to make like typefaces or anything? I really just want to
1: make pretty things. Really, that's really all I want to do. So I have a business. I started a business because that's what you do, right? It's called Paisley Paper Company. That's the umbrella in which my handmade cards and lettering and hand-drawn type kind of falls under. So when I think about that, as far as like goals and and, and what I want to do, like I want to mirror Rifle Paper Company. Like I want to incorporate like watercolor because I've been dabbling into that recently. So just all kind of painting techniques. So like I I want it to be more artistic than just lettering. Like I want to have a collection of things that are just beautiful things to look at regardless of whether they are greeting cards or signs or iPhone cases or wrapping paper or whatever. So not necessarily typefaces. I mean I I definitely think that that's something that I could do, but Right now I just want to make pretty products and things that people want to to buy and want to give to the people that they love and care about.
0: Also you you kind of already started, I guess, doing some things for sale then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh nice. Like what kind of things?
1: So, I did some Father's Day cards. I've done some congratulations you just had a baby cards. I have done some wedding envelope addressing want to kind of further that and and get into incorporating my hand lettering into wedding invitations cuz I as a freelance designer I did wedding invitations a lot but that was before I got into hand lettering so now I want to kind of marry those two things and really give the bride like a customized set and, and kind of like incorporate the watercolor and painting and flourishes and ink drawings and all the stuff that and all the little drawing stuff that, that I do want to incorporate that into invitation suite. So people have asked me to write song lyrics and, or poems for their significant others. Yeah. So I've done a lot of that kind of stuff.
0: So it sounds like there's a, a real market for it out there if someone wanted to get into it.
1: Yeah, it really is. And I, prior to four months ago, had no idea that people even were really checking for people that did calligraphy. Like, it's it's amazing to me. I mean, and there's, if anybody is interested in getting involved in it, all you have to do is look under the calligraphy hashtag on Instagram and you will see literally millions of people that do it. Really how I learned to kind of get into like the hand lettering style and modern calligraphy style is that I just followed a lot of people, watched their videos, practiced a lot. And yeah, so I just practiced a whole lot and just looked on Instagram. So if anybody wants to get into it, that is probably the easiest way to go.
0: How would you say that you've grown as a designer over the past three years? Like since we first did our interview back in September of 2013, how would you say you've grown as a designer since then?
1: I think just as a person, I'm a little more sure of myself. And that kind of influences how I handle projects and how I interact with people. I'm much faster about knowing what's working and what's not working. So I can go through a lot of iterations quicker and self-assess what's working and what's not working and and know when to walk away from something and, and when to keep pushing it. And I just think that you just live longer and grow up and be around people that inspire you and all of that, like your aesthetic just gets better. I think that's pretty
0: much it. Was design something that you were always interested in? Yes.
1: And I didn't even know that it was a thing. Like, I mean, I, I graduated high school. I had my major in at CAS was commercial art. So, I mean, I've always been doing something artistic, but didn't even know that you could be a designer, didn't even know that you that it was a career to have. When I found that out, it was like, oh, yeah, well, this is obviously what I should be doing because I've been drawing and painting and putting together collages of stuff for years, decades, you know. So yeah, so it's something that was always a part of me and always something that I wanted to do. And I really can't see myself doing anything else.
0: Who are some mentors or some people that uh, have kind of helped you out along the way?
1: So my boss who pushed me on that photo of the day thing, he's definitely someone that I look to and we, we still work together. He's definitely somebody that I look to to push me and he definitely still pushes me. Honestly, that's really it. I mean, I get different things fr- from different people. So like design wise, it's, it's him learning how to be a person in authority. I definitely will say there's another coworker that I have in mind. And she is an associate creative director and she kind of like owns it. Like she has a very particular skill set and she manages a team that does a very particular thing. And she is like, she knows her industry and she knows it very, very well. You know, she's not afraid to speak up and be the lone voice in the room. You know, if, if everybody is agreeing and if she doesn't agree, she will say so. And won't think twice about it. And I think that as a woman, it it is a little different to kind of navigate the ad agency world. So the fact that she's been able to do that and she's well respected is something that inspirational to me.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about that? I mean, not about the coworker specifically, but what is it like for you being a black woman in the ad agency world?
1: It's difficult and not, you know, it's not like something that can't be overcome or anything, or, you know, not like anything has personally happened to me, but just the idea, I mean, and taking the fact that that I'm a woman out of it, but just being in an agency where you're maybe the fifth or sixth black person or person of color, there's just a perspective that may not be appreciated. And I'm trying to tread lightly here trying to, you know, (laughs) pick my words carefully, but there can be a lot of good old boy network You start to wonder, are you not getting picked for projects because of, you know, your race or your sex or whatever? And it's, can you bring the same level of creativity as your male counterparts? And if you do, will that even be respected? And will they even look to you for your opinion or for concepts or whatever if they're targeting, if the brand that you're working on is mainly made up of men and men who drive trucks or men who work in construction sites or whatever. Is your opinion even valued when it comes to to that kind of stuff because you're a woman or you're black or whatever? So also there's a level of not wanting to fall into the angry black woman or angry black man stereotype, walking that line of Demanding respect and making sure that you're in the room when uh, when decisions are being made about stuff that affects you is walking that fine line of doing that and not coming off as being disrespectful, even though you're not really being disrespectful. You're really just speaking up and expressing your opinion. The whole office politics stuff that is a little difficult to navigate when you are a minority. So just takes... Practice in time, knowing yourself, knowing what you'll stand for and, and what you want, which is good to have, whether you are a woman, a person of color or whatever, like that's just something that you should strive to be.
0: Are there any other designers out there that you really admire?
1: I couldn't name them by name. I just know their work. And honestly, as far as inspiration goes, like, or like really looking at particular people, like I've really only been looking at like hand letterers on Instagram. So, so yeah, so there's a lot of people that, like I said, I don't remember their names off, off the top of my head, but there's a lot of people that inspire me in, in that field.
0: Well, what else inspires you? Like, is it like specific music or a book or anything like that?
1: I think traveling. I mean, that's such a cliche thing to say, but, and I've traveled a lot this year, just kind of like over the country around the country. And yeah, like I said, it's super cliche to say, like you go and you see something different, but every time I've come back, from a trip, I've always felt rejuvenated and like ready to kind of just like get back into it and and try new things and yeah like completely just see things differently. So not necessarily a a book or or any, or anything like that, but but traveling has definitely helped me
0: this past year. Are there any projects that you're working on now? Not work projects, but like are there any any personal projects you're working on?
1: My personal projects for Paisley Paper Company. I signed up to be in this this paper fair with a it's like a I guess like a paper expo or something there's a print shop letterpress print shop in eastern market here and they have a this paper fair and so I signed up to be a vendor so for the next three to four months my focus is going to be on getting products ready to to sell there that will be all of my projects and all of my time
0: <laughs> nice nice where do you see yourself in the near future, like say in the next five years or so? What do you think you'll be working on?
1: I would hope that I would be probably working Paisley Paper Company full time. That's really what it, what I want to do. And still designing, but probably not designing for an agency and doing design work for social change groups. And so like just... I'm not affiliated with with Black Lives Matter at all, but like doing work for them or a group like that would probably be where I would most rather see my design work and time go to.
0: Yeah, I think I see that really being a big area that a lot of designers are concentrating on, like if it's get out the vote efforts or or even, you know, advocacy type things like, you know, Black Lives Matter. I see a lot more design good type things happening Mm -hmm. nowadays.
1: Yeah, because I think like if you are a designer in an agency or you work for for profit kind of thing, We have this talent and we have this this gift and you start to feel like, Am I really using this to sell cars or am I really using this to sell computers or whatever? You know, and it's definitely needed. We definitely need, you know, marketing and advertising and and design to keep the economy going and all of that. But like you just start to really feel like maybe I could be doing this for something that is a little closer to my personal values and something that will possibly help some. Somebody see something a different way or motivate them to do something different or even just have a conversation with someone that they wouldn't ordinarily talk to. I know for me, that's that's definitely what inspires me to want to do stuff like that is because I would rather see my talents go to something that's closer to what I believe in socially and politically. Yeah, so just having that balance of doing that and doing advertising and it just makes for a more well-rounded
0: person. Well, just to wrap things up here, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online?
1: com, A M P E R S A N D R E A dot com and Paper Paisley Co. on Instagram. That's where you can find me.
0: All right. Well, Andrea Williams, thank you again, you know, so much for coming on the show. I, I really liked what you had to say about Detroit. Again you know it's been a city that has been talked about a lot these past few years but it's good to see that there's really you know a lot of vibrancy that's coming out of the city as well as you know some really really great design so thank you again so much for coming on the show i appreciate it
1: thank you maurice it was a pleasure being here
0: Thoughts of love are in your mind. and that's it for this week big thanks to andrea williams and thanks to you for listening You can find out more about Andrea and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, Facebook Design, MailChimp, and Hover. Facebook invests in design. They care deeply about how their design team might do their best work, and that manifests itself in a number of different ways, such as building tools like origami, sharing what they've learned on Medium, and by giving back to the design community. Learn more about Facebook Design at facebook.com forward slash design. More than 10 million businesses around the world use MailChimp to send email newsletters. Their attitude may be playful, but their business is serious. Sign up for a free account today, MailChimp, send better email. Hover takes all the hassle and confusion out of buying and managing your domain names. Search for a few keywords and Hover will show you the best available options across all the 400 plus domain extensions out there. Ready to get started? Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code revisionpath at checkout. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro and outro audio by Yellow Speaker. If you like this episode, please do me a huge favor. Leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It only takes a minute or two. Uh, I'll read it right here on the show, just like I did with Frederick's review. And it really helps the show by bumping us up in the iTunes rankings for design podcasts. Revision Path is brought to you by Lunch, a multidisciplinary creative studio in Atlanta, Georgia. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit us over at Patreon and become a patron. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision and pledge your support. Pledge levels start at just $1 per month and you'll get access to behind the scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.